Hello, Cryptonauts, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John. On today's episode, we have a special interview with former Hedera developer evangelist Cooper Kuntz that's going to talk about Hedera since he was like one of the OGs that started working on Hedera. So, with that said, sit back, relax, give a thumbs up, give a subscribe, and make sure you check us out in Discord and YouTube. With that said, enjoy the interview. And welcome, and welcome back to another episode, episode of, of Cryptocurrency, Cryptocurrency Chat. Chat. I am your host, I am your host Blockchain, Blockchain John. John. I'm here with, I'm my, here with my co-host, co-host Mike, Mike and Jake. And Jake. How's, it going, How's it going, you guys? Pretty good. Pretty good, man. All right. All right. We also have, we also have Cooper Cunts and, and Supreme. Supreme. Is it Supreme, Supreme Max 67? Let's go with Max. Let's go with Max. 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 How's it going, you guys? How's it going, you guys? It's great. Uh, excited to be on the podcast. Awesome. awesome. Great. I appreciate, I appreciate you being here, you by, being the by the way. It took, it took, it took some, some, some time to put this together, this together but, together, but I'm, happy I'm happy you're here. Max, how you Max, doing? how you doing? Good. Good. I'm excited. I'm happy you're, I'm here. Happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you. So, we're so going to start off with Cooper. 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 I'm going to go with a little background of what I found on you on the internet. So, correct me if any of this information is wrong. This is what I found on you, okay? So, it says here. It says here. In the fall of 2018, 2018, Cooper joined a small small project project called called Hashgraph as a software software developer. Over the next few few months, months, the public public network network was named named Hedera and managed managed to secure the purchase purchase of the Hedera.com domain. domain. A round of SAS fundraising was closed with over $100 million raised. He helped over 30 projects to build their applications on the Hedera network. He also he started also the developer, developer tutorial, tutorial series, series coding, coding with, with Cooper. Cooper. He has since, he has since moved on from directly from working on Hedera and joined Galaxy as chief as technology, technology officer, officer and one of the very first employees. Welcome, 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 Cooper. Yeah, so far that is all correct. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the warm introduction, and you know, happy to to chat more about my time at Hedera. You know, my my taking my talents to Galaxy and. Anything else blockchain or cryptocurrency related you guys want to talk about today? Thank you. Thank so you. I, so always, I always, every single every time, time I have a new guest on the podcast, I always like to go a little further back, back to the current to the position, position right now. now. So let's so go let's back, go in, back time in time to the moment you first heard of crypto. What was the first crypto you heard of? Yeah, I, I think I started studying computer science, you know, a, a, a fair number of years ago. And I, I think, you know, probably around 2014, 2015, um, I was still in school. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people in the computer science, and I was also studying philosophy at the time, were, were very much interested in it. I think the specifically the computer science department at the University of Arizona kind of caught the crypto bug a little early. And I would see people in my 8, 9 a.m., you know, discrete math theory classes, tra- trying to trade Bitcoin or looking at charts and stuff like that. Um, and I, I wasn't super interested in it. You know, I was I was super focused on my academic career at the time. Um, and also I was running the IT student advisory board at the University of Arizona. Uh, managing about five or six million dollars worth of their IT budget, wow, wow. so I wasn't super, you know, available or focused on on Bitcoin as as a trading opportunity. I think it was about 2016, maybe you know, a little bit into 2017, 
when I had more of my serious engineering friends uh, go to hackathons or start talking about Ethereum, not so much as you know an investment vehicle, but as a development paradigm. And I, I think that that's when you know it started catching my attention. Nice, nice, nice. So 2017, 2017 is when you got into, into it. it. Like, really, like, really. Did, did you start developing, start developing on, on uh, uh, Ethereum? Ethereum? Work, on work on Solidity? I, I had looked at Solidity at the time. I was doing a variety of work, you know, in school, in, you know, freelance work. I was actually doing software engineering for the University of Arizona professionally at the time as well. Um, so I didn't have, you know, a lot of free time, um, but I was definitely looking at Solidity, had, you know, followed a bunch of tutorials. At the time, the technology I was really interested in had played around with a lot was IPFS, the Interplanetary File System. Um, to me, you know, those Web3 technologies always seemed a little bit more approachable, I guess, than something as intimidating as Solidity. Um, so I'd, I'd say I played around with them, but I didn't really take building in the blockchain industry seriously until I came across Hashgraph in 2018. 2018. All right. So, so I'm kind of curious. curious. Did you, Did you uh, ever buy up, buy up crypto early on? Early on? Uh, I can say that I, I definitely held some some Bitcoin and Ethereum. I wouldn't say it was early by any means. Um, which is, you know, as everyone else in the industry would agree, probably. Uh, one of the bigger mistakes of all of our lives living in, in this moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Now, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. curious cause cause the, 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 the timing is quite odd when you got into it, seriously. seriously. Normally, normally, everyone that gets, everyone into, that gets into, into it seriously, seriously tends to start buying up and pretty much dumping all their savings into crypto. Traditionally, that's what people do when they first get into it. Now, you got into it around 2017. Now, we know that there was a spike in, in, in the market in, the market in, in late 2017, 2017 when it went to all-time all highs. highs. I'm, I'm kind of curious, curious, did you buy in at the top? top? I'll be really honest, I didn't have any money to spend into crypto at the time. I was, I think I was sleeping on my brother's couch in San Francisco and working at a nonprofit charity, building out a donations website for them. Um, so, so I wish I did, honestly, but no. See, that's, See, that's, that's quite that's interesting quite because interesting. now your life now is your completely life is different. different. Are you still sleeping on the couch, by the way? By the way? I am not sleeping on the couch, uh, let alone my brother's couch, no. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Hedera for that one. I, yeah, I was yeah, going to say that. We'll get there, we'll get there pretty, pretty soon. soon. All right, so All right, then right, you got so into IPFS. IPFS. Did, you actually, Did you, actually you actually develop on IPFS, on IPFS or, that's or that's just something that interested you? Interest you? I mean, I, I think IPFS was the first project that got my attention as a legitimately new Web3 technology. Um, something that is kind of a fundamental innovation in the way that you can share data without, you know, centralized infrastructure. Um, the fact that if, you know, you're sharing a video in sub-Saharan Africa or developing country and someone in the room has that video on their computer, you can get it directly off their machine quicker than you could ever get it from something like an AWS is like, no matter who you are, no matter how much you care about cryptocurrency, that is a fundamentally interesting technology. Uh, and, you know, whether you're a computer scientist or, you know, someone just that's interested in crypto, like, that's a cool innovation. Um, so that's, that's kind of what got my attention.
It is. It, it is. is. I, I, am, I do currently, I do currently uh, host my, uh, own, host my node. own node, and I love and it. I love it. I love it. So for the so cryptonauts out, out there, if you don't know what IPFS, what IPFS is, 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 definitely check it out. Post your own node. And look into things like Filecoin if you're looking into, you know, incentivized versions of IPFS. Not not to shill Filecoin, but, you know, it is the tokenized version of the network. I'm kind of curious. We're going to get to a hash graph Actually, actually. The question, the question is, is before, we get before we get too deep into, too deep into hash graph, hash graph. There's, is, is IPFS, IPFS in, it, actually that is, actually, that correct, is correct, right? IPFS, IPFS is, is integrated into, into hash graph, hash graph correct? Um, no, IPFS isn't integrated into Hashgraph. I would say that they're extremely complementary technologies. Um, Hedera makes sense as a anchor point and a source of truth for you know IPFS references. Um, more of like a discovery mechanism for for IPFS, um, among other interesting use cases like hosting your actual NFT content and things like that on IPFS. Um, so I'd say they're very complementary, but not directly integrated, at least not yet. Hmm. Okay. okay. Now, now, Hedera obviously, obviously came, came through, through and, and now, now you're, the you're the Hedera developer in How did that How did that happen? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. So obviously, uh, based off what you read from my intro, I started my time off at Hedera doing software development. You know, anywhere that they needed me to in the early days as we were just getting started, I would try to help out and build some stuff. Um, as we got, you know, closer to launching and stood up our test net and actually had open access, um, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity. And I think people could tell how excited I was about the technology and excited about the industry. And I think that... In terms of software engineers in, you know, not just the world, but in the blockchain space, I think being able to publicly communicate to both technical and non-technical audiences and be, you know, kind of a public figure for developers isn't necessarily an easy job, um, especially if you consider kind of the personality traits that make up a good blockchain engineer versus the personality traits that make up a good developer evangelist. It's a... The, I would say the Venn diagram for those things is pretty small. Um, did you reach did out you to reach them, out or did they reach out to you? you? Uh, I, I would, the the story is Christian Hasker reached out to me, um, and, and I talked to Christian, and Christian ended up bringing me on board to the project. Uh, so, so shout out to Christian, and, and very grateful. I would say I owe most of, of my career so far to him and, and to my brother, who's also on the team at Hedera, actually. Um, but after we launched Open Access, you know, we really needed ways to get in front of core developer audiences to, to run trainings and do all those things. And, um, you know, I was one of the most familiar people with Hashgraph as a platform at the time um, and, you know, had a personality where I could go talk on stage and not be terrified in front of a thousand people. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of how I ended up in that role. Awesome. You did awesome. say, you that, did say you, that you, your brother's, your brother's into Hedera. Who's, Who's your brother? Who's your brother? Uh, yeah, my brother is actually on the Hedera team as well. Uh, his name's Garrig Coons. He's on the product marketing team, uh, and, and reports to Christian. You can probably find him him on him on Twitter uh, or writing some of the the case studies that you might be seeing on on the website. Okay, okay nice, nice, nice. So have you ever, so met, have you ever Max? met Max? We have obviously we have, we have Max here with, with us. And Max, and Max is, is the first guy that I really got really an opportunity to talk to, talk to in regards to Hedera. He's the one that really broke it down to me. And even though he spent so many hours talking about it, about it I still don't really understand it, to be honest. honest. It's a very, it's a very to me, it's a very complicated, complicated piece of knowledge. 
I have not had the opportunity to meet Max, uh, but I feel like we've been in uh, the Discord and Telegram and YouTube trenches together for years at this point. Yes, yes, we, we've exchanged a couple of words there. Um, unlike most people in the Discord uh, for Adara, uh, I'm not a developer. Uh, some people realize that over time. <laughs> um, I can look a little bit at Lion Code and understand what it is, but I haven't touched any Lion Codes for decades. Uh, but uh, even though I couldn't fully understand what Cooper was was doing, I, I, I could feel his energy when he was talking to the community. I could see it in other developers. Um, it, did um, Cooper, did you ever feel uh, that uh, when you were speaking to the audience or when you were doing these little uh, clips on uh, Adara's YouTube channel, uh, did you feel that your uh, the audience was getting hooked on every word? Did you feel like they're the the energy you were trying to portray was uh, was being transmitted because it, it felt that way to me when I I was uh, watching those videos. But uh, how how did you feel? Uh, how, how did you feel that these videos were going when when you were describing how to program for uh, for, for specific uh, service on it there? Yeah, the the videos is a good question, um, and I, I'm glad that they came across that way. And you know, it was kind of palpable in terms of my excitement and how I feel about the technology. Um, I think when you're doing those things, you really want to make it about how you use the technology and consider where the people watching it at are in terms of their context and their adoption of the technology. Like, are people that are watching this already sold on Hedera and just want to find out how to integrate it? Or is it, you know, more so an audience that needs to be sold a little bit on why this is a superior or alternative technology? And so I think that that was one of the many things that I always struggled in general with, with putting out content for Hedera is, you know, who is that audience? Is it an enterprise solutions blockchain architect at YPro who like already knows what Hedera is and just needs to figure out how to add in the APIs? Or is it someone at, you know, a small startup or in the crypto community who's never, you know, tried building on Hedera or doesn't even really know, it, know who it is? Um, in addition to not, you know, being able to, you know, always struggling to identify a target audience that's effective, I think um, it was difficult too because Hedera moves so fast. I could, you know, record a tutorial video uh, at the beginning of the month, and if I don't edit it and publish it and get it reviewed and you know edited and stuff and published by the end of the month, the entire SDK and network could be updated. And then, you know, obviously that's an issue as well. So, so timing was always fun, especially because these weren't, you know, the, the videos were never the focus of my job at Hedera necessarily. I was always doing things in the background and, and those were kind of just things that I could put out when I could. Uh, I, I, I think they were helpful. Uh, John, John asked me if I had a question. Uh, that wasn't my question, but John asked me if I had a question. I, I had only one question because you were saying uh, Dara is moving so fast. My question uh, was going to be is, uh, where do you see uh, Dara in 10 years? Because if, if we're looking backwards um, 10 years ago, uh, with uh, 2011, Lehman wasn't really working on Hashgraph or anything remotely close or trying to address the, uh, the, the blockchain the dilemma. Um, but 10 years from now, we, we haven't done 
10 years with this technology, but 10 years from now, where do you see it there? And it's fine if you want to include the Galaxy's relationship in there. I'd love to, I'd love to get your input. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll avoid talking about Galaxy in context to this question, and we can talk about it a little bit more later in, in the podcast. Um, 10 years is, is so difficult, right? Like, I feel like we're just 10 years into the entire industry and, and not, you know, not even that with Bitcoin launching in, what, 2013? Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to speculate, but I think anyone who's being like, yeah, I know what the world's going to look like in 10 years is probably lying to you. And, and anyone who says that I know what crypto is going to look like in 10 years is definitely lying to you. Um, you know, these things are moving so quickly and, you know, who would have thought the president of El Salvador would be on Twitter spaces, like on one hand, accepting Bitcoin as a currency alternative, but also saying it's not de-dollarization of the US dollar. Um, so, you know, I, I think the world is moving quicker than anyone realizes and anyone expects. I think obviously in 10 years, no one on the current Hedera governing council besides Swirls will still be on the Hedera governing council. It's written into the rules of the network. So I think that we'll see an entire turnover um, within that span. Even if someone came on board, you know, right now, they would be out by 2031. Um, at, you know, not, even, not 2031, that's 10 years from now, 2026, 20, um, 2027. So like, you know, even the members we're recruiting right now won't be there in 10 years. I would love to uh, assume that the entire 39 companies would be on board. I think within 10 years, we'll get to not only community ran nodes, but also local public community nodes, um, anonymous community nodes. I think we'll have full implementations of staking, of sharding. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, I think the main trend, at least the macro trend that we're seeing is, you know, central bank digital currency adoption is coming and it's coming quickly. And I think obviously I don't need to convince the people on this podcast, but Hedera has a very compelling offering in that space. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised whether that's on Hedera or not to see, you know, dozens and dozens of, of central bank digital currencies coming out and within the next decade. Um, not, I mean, maybe even just the next few years. Um, and I think that if you are looking at, you know, potentially public or, or hybrid like solutions, Hedera is the obvious choice. Um, and so, you know, I say that because I think Hedera is very likely a top 10 or top five project in the blockchain industry, irrespective of how I personally feel about it or choose to use it. I think that that's kind of just a fact that will become true uh over the next 10 years and, and feel very very obvious in hindsight yeah it, it definitely gave that good feeling the the first moment i saw the hashgraph technology before they even made an announcement of public i i, I knew their roadmap before they were gonna say it uh that this is gonna go public I'm, I'm sure of it and five months later they did that new york events um but uh Man, what a crazy, crazy road so far. It's, uh, it's been, in, I, I don't want to hug the spot. I'm sure someone else has questions. Yeah, you know what's, <laughs> you know what's you know interesting, Cooper? We're, we're at that point, point now that, that Hedera, this is, this is, or, this is organic, organic people coming people in from, from, from the public that doesn't know that anything, about anything about crypto, crypto and literally and get literally into get Hedera. Hedera. I've literally, I've literally spoken, spoken to people, people and try to understand, understand 
where they're coming, where they're coming from. from. And there's some, and there's people, some out people out there, there that I've had that conversations, conversations with that don't know what blockchain is, doesn't know what that side of crypto is at all, but is developing on Hedera. They came into Hedera, they developed on Hedera, don't know nothing about blockchain. But no, about Hedera. That's that's fascinating. That's fascinating just to meet people out there and just talk to them out there. Like you don't know, you don't know blockchain, blockchain. Like no, I just got into about a year ago and already developing in on Hedera and producing producing services. Services. Wow, that's fascinating. That's that's where we're at right now with Hedera. That's amazing. Amazing. Did you know that? Did you know that? Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I think if you haven't looked into blockchain at large at this point, it's kind of a choice and, and you probably have your head in the sand a little bit. And um, it's an interesting career strategic decision. Um, but it's it's definitely possible that we see kind of a categorical leap from blockchains as viable enterprise infrastructure to moving something like moving to things like distributed ledgers in general. Um, I wouldn't put that past the IBMs of the world to rebrand, move into their cloud infrastructure, and and sell very effectively. Here's a definition Here's a I want to bring up to you in regards to hash. This is what I just found. Just doing a quick Google search. There's some there's some very very complicated words in there that I've never heard anywhere else other than here. So I'm gonna try my best to try to read it. And please, after I read it, can you break it down into simpler terms so I can understand it? Because this is complicated stuff to me. Here we go. Here we go. Hashgraph. I can do my best. Okay. Hashgraph is a distributed ledger technology that uses uses direct. What is it? A A C S A a C Y C L I C. What is that? What is that? A-C-Click. There you go. There you That's go. All I got. That's all I got. Yeah, happy to to try to break that down. Um, you might have to to remind me here at some point what what the what the next couple sentences were. But if, if you talk about it at a ha at the at the high level, Hashgraph is two things. It is a architecture for building distributed ledger technologies, like that description implies. So. A distributed ledger technology is, you can think of about it as just a highly distributed database where everyone has a copy of it and everyone can see the same entries into that database or see the same ledger of information. Um, in order to build that distributed database where everyone sees the same ledger of information, you need to have a way to agree on the state or the content of that information. And that's where the second half of Hashgraph comes in. It's not only an architecture for building that type of distributed ledger, it's also a consensus algorithm, which in a consensus algorithm is simply just a program that determines the state or the content of that ledger and the order in which it gets added to the ledger. So on one hand, Hashgraph is a standard, you could say, for storing information in a distributed database or a distributed ledger. And it's also the mechanism or program by which you can get the content into that ledger in a consistent way. 
And so that's, that's what Hashgraph is at the 10,000 foot view. If, if you want to know how Hashgraph actually does that and why it's interesting and why it's not a blockchain, it's because it's built on what's called a DAG or a directed acyclic graph. Graphs are one of the most common data structures in computer science. They're just a very rich format for expressing and sharing information. And specifically a directed graph means that it's growing in one direction over time. It's you, you can have graphs that are kind of like amorphous growths of like social networks. You can think of a social graph growing over time and that can grow in any direction, right? Uh, but a hash graph or a directed graph can only grow in one direction, and usually that direction reflects the time that has passed. And it's acyclic because you can have cyclical graphs, graphs that can point backwards to themselves and create loops within that, you know, a graph you can consider a social network where you're drawing a graph from your friends and you can draw a loop back to you because you're part of their social network. But if you're representing an acyclic graph, that means it can't point backwards in time. It can't point backwards on itself and be you know, self-referential in that sense. So you have a data structure growing one directionally over time that can't point backwards on itself. And this, and Lehman has came up with some wonderful innovations, like truly pure innovations in computer science. I don't even think the strongest Hedera haters or, or uh, you know, fudsters out there would argue that Lehman hasn't came up with interesting things in computer science, but he, he's come up with novel ways to do this information really efficiently and get that data out of that directed acyclic graph into a total fair order and into those distributed ledgers that anyone can run and everyone knows that they're seeing the same entries into that ledger or into that database. Um, I can talk. To, I, I think that that definition also mentioned asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance, which, which is just the security property uh, of this specific architecture. Byzantine fault tolerance is a category of problems in distributed systems that is a set of network attacks that could affect something like a distributed ledger. And being able to say that you're tolerant to Byzantine faults means that you have a certain amount of security assumptions or guarantees about your network and about how that data is going to end up in those ledgers. And being able to say that you're not just Byzantine fault tolerant, but a step beyond that and saying that you're asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerant is a whole other assumptions about the attacks that you can withstand that don't have any constraints about the times or the durations of those attacks. So that is more just a kind of blanket statement that is a formal definition of the security of the system. Um, so, you know, obviously there's a lot to break down there, uh, but hopefully that's a little bit help, more helpful than the uh, computer science definition that they provided or they provide. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So in regards, so in regards to, to the, the security, security on, on Hedera, I'm, I'm kind of curious. curious. How, how secure, secure if, I'm, if I'm a person a looking, person out, looking and out and, and into Hedera, there's always, There's that, always question. that question. Is it, is it 1% percent percent resistance? resistance? Or, or, as Dr. Lima said, 30% percent resistance. And the reason I ask that, because, because the way I see it, it is currently, it, it is a distributed ledger, ledger, but there's a there's limited, limited amount of people, people or should I say companies, companies that are allowed, that are allowed to, to host that host ledger. ledger. So, so being, being a, a limited amount of servers hosting this ledger, 
only means only that means someone that else someone out else there just needs, just needs to, to pump more, pump more hashes, hashes to more or less, more or less split it in three ways and create a 51% attack. Is that, does that does work? That work? Does it work that way the way I'm thinking about it? Not necessarily. Um, it, it, it's not that simple. Uh, at, at the high level, Lehman is obviously right. It is subject to a quote-unquote 33% attack, which is just a more honest term for a 51% attack. Um, the reality is, is that the weight of that 33% is determined off the stake associated and verified against your public key of your node. So even if, you know, random nodes did come online to the network and start pumping fake hashes in there, unless a super majority of the network had previously agreed that you actually have valid stake, uh, those hashes are meaningless. So you, you do have to get, not sign off necessarily, but you have to do get prior state validated by a super majority of the network for your impact to be valid at all. Um, and so, you know, unless someone can convince a super majority of the network that you actually have at least 33% of the tokens and a valid IP address and you have a valid public key associated with those things, um, you're not going to be able to effectively attack the network at that angle. Um, you know, there's obviously other things such as DDoS attacks, botnet attacks, different types of spam that can flood networks. But that's not unique to Hedera or you know anything else in the world. So there's a chance. Got it. I mean, the the reality is that anyone could spam any of these networks. I think Hedera and DAG-based DLTs are a little bit differently from the fact that they don't have a mempool of transactions kind of just floating there. That uh, you might have to do like things like increase the fees to prevent spam attacks if they're really really that bad or just kind of ride them out and let attackers pay you hundreds of thousands of dollars in HBAR. Maybe that's kind of the point. Um, but yeah, definitely not the types of attack you're considering, which are like, you know, traditional 51% attacks or, or things that would theoretically prevent or result in a reorganization of the network. Okay. So let's say so that, let's it, say it, that does, it does, it does, just worst case scenario, it does happen, happen in the future, in the sometime, future sometime in the future, it does end up happening. happening. Is there a, is there a way, way to, to reverse, reverse this chain, chain and go and back, go back prior, prior to the, um, before the, before attack, the attack happened? happened? Um, I mean, you know, practically, yes. I, it'd be like a hard fork of things like we saw with Ethereum Classic and Ethereum. Um, it would be up to, you know, the network, the entire council to determine a point in history in which they're comfortable going back to. Um, I, you know, I think there's a lot of philosophical reasons that that would have to be a pretty bad attack for them to do so. Right. I'm just, so how it would work and how it would work in terms of practicality is they would basically take a state proof at any given time, which would give you the entities and all the balances, the entire state of the network you could get in one state proof. And what you could do is you could basically just regenesis a new network with that state proof being the, the initial state of, of your network. It actually wouldn't be that hard. Uh, it'd be philosophically difficult to be like, oh, they have this whole immutable network, but as long as a majority of them want to reset it, they can. 
but I think you see things with, you know, IOTA was down for like two months last year or two years ago. I don't remember when that was, but like, I, as soon as IOTA was down for two months and they, they launched again, their token price actually skyrocketed. I want to say it went up like 30x, which makes no sense. Um, and, and, you know, things that you see with Ethereum and Ethereum Classic, I, I think a lot of people aren't firm in the sand when they say that code is law and, and things like that. Um, to talk about, you know, I guess, you know, recently in the past couple of months, I've been working at Galaxy. Um, Galaxy would be fine with that as long as we can guarantee that the state of our network is consistent with what we expected historically. Um, as long as our users have the same social tokens, same NFTs, same collectibles in their wallets, um, we very much trust the council and the governance processes that are in place. So now that you so mentioned Galaxy, I, I, I do want to turn, turn in that direction in that if you want. Um, what is Galaxy? And, and from my understanding, it, it is working off the Hedera network, 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 correct? Yeah. So, so Galaxy is a project that's founded by Spencer Dinwiddie, a professional athlete in the NBA. Uh, he currently plays on the Brooklyn Nets. Um, he was the first professional athlete to launch a tokenized and securitized version of his sports contract. Um, and Galaxy is his most recent play or foray into the blockchain industry. Uh, it's a platform for issuing and managing social tokens, uh, as well as collectibles for, for different types of content creators, uh, whether you're an athlete, an artist, an influencer. Um, we provide a really nice toolkit that makes it easy for you to monetize and earn money from your community and your fans. I do have I one, do more, have one more question in regards to Hedera, and I'm going to pass it over to Jake. Now, yeah, how, how, how does somebody, does somebody like me that's not a developer, not a coder, get into Hedera and actually start using services? What's out there that I can get into? I feel like Max is probably the most person, most qualified person to answer this. You know, he's one of the most active community members who, you know, to his own admission, isn't is, isn't a developer. So I'll, I'll kick this one to him. <laughs> Max, sorry, Max? Could, could you ask that question again? <laughs> so, so, the so the question, so the question is, is, somebody like somebody me like that's me not a developer, developer um, how, do how do I get into Hedera and use its services? Its services? Well, it, it depends. Are you trying to take advantage of dividends because some most users, the first time they get used to crypto, they do it for the staking. And that's not going to be an option right away. So I would say to those individuals to, you know, huddle. <laughs> I don't like that term, but uh, to huddle, you know, while the, the market is just starting to recognize that there are, I think everyone would agree that um, what there has accomplished right now is, is more than any ledger in the top 50 um, on the market. So if if we're if we're seeing what the future is going we know where the price is going i don't i don't like price speculation but i'm i'm saying from a user perspective the first time they find out about there if they feel like they want to do something productive then by holding uh hbar they're actually contributing to the network they're uh, solidifying the uh, the network stability the more you're you're holding for a long term the the, the more security you're bringing to the network you're you're doing it for your own gains but in reality, you're also locking out uh, um, liquidity. And the more you lock out liquidity, it benefits everyone. So that would be one way uh, people can help. The other way is uh, social media. Um, people are active on Twitter, on YouTube. You, you know, they, they just own their strength. And uh, they, 
if they need to, they do these, you know, random interviews with people that they've dealt directly with the project, get a better understanding. I'd say that would be my suggestion as well. If they want to, if they want to get more involved, um, it, it would benefit them. Who knows? Maybe uh, they'll find out that they do want to make something on Adara, or they just want to be a user that's um, locking away HBAR for, in my case, for 20 years plus. Uh, but that's my, that, that's the way I'm awesome, contributing. Awesome. Um, the YouTube community and uh, locking away as much as possible HBAR so that uh, it provides um, uh, scarcity and uh, security to the network. All right, thank you. Thank Jake, you. Jake? Oh, sorry, my... Oh. <laughs> did, did you have some, questions? You have some questions? I don't have any questions. Uh, questions. It's actually been quite informative. I will I will say that it's... Um, I knew that HBAR was important, not just for the reasons that people had listed, uh, you know, the speed of the network and whatnot, but because um, it can't just solve one thing. You can't just beat ETH at, the, at its worst game. Um, you have to be more than just that. And uh, after listening to all this input, not just from Max, but uh, oops, obviously got a really good idea. Uh, if having worked directly on the project, um, I uh, I'm 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 still at odds, not with Hedera, but with all of crypto to some degree. I it might just be the the internal um, dilemma one suffers when uh, owning a medium-sized farm. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that uh, HBAR has an immense potential. I think it's already demonstrating that. And uh, like like uh, Max was commenting earlier, uh, where will it be? And yeah, I have no idea. But I have a feeling that I should go against my prior comment of uh, you know, Bitcoin will never break 25K and say that um, I have pretty good confidence in HBAR being practical for a long time to come and i don't know if it'll overtake eth in the short run but it may very well be a huge contender on in in the market it's it's it feels it still feels like you know could be said uh lehman kind of or actually no i think john was the one that commented that h4 pretty much started in 2012 as a concept um but it hasn't really it's it's only just now taking form um I, it's been practical. How how long would you say? I, I don't know the history of it. How how long is uh, HBAR been on the market? HBAR was first listed September of 2019. Okay, so it's been very recent, relatively in yeah, two years. Um, I, I feel like it's still in its early days, very early days. Um, you know, it, it's gone up a lot in price lately, but. Um, I think its potential has yet, I mean, yet I, to I have think blossomed it's... fully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's true for the entire industry, right? If, if you think about how long it took for the internet to mature, for modern databases to mature, for Web2 to mature, it is reasonable to expect that it will take as long, if not longer, for these systems to mature especially because things like the internet and web 2 could be stood up without you know relative disruption to legacy business models and to legacy infrastructure 
But when we're talking about, you know, the world adopting Web3, that really is the replacement of existing financial institutions, moving to things like decentralized finance, moving to things like decentralized identity. And that does require replacing legacy systems and infrastructure and, you know, almost a larger societal shift than moving things initially to the internet. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's very much worth considering, you know, how long did it take to stand up the systems and how long is it going to take us to, to replace them? Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, then I guess maybe more to Max's question and, and in my, in my answer to Max's question is that we might not really see the maturity of, of, uh, HBAR at four, five plus years true maturity where, where society recognizes the value and that it, it's no longer just that that wisp on the wind where people just like maybe heard of heard of it once but don't really know what it does and have no clue of as to its, its utility um, yeah i mean a lot of people still don't know that most of amazon's businesses is predicated on cloud and web services right like most people are just like damn they're really good at shipping me stuff for cheap like <laughs> There's an analogy a friend of mine gave uh, 20 years ago about uh, who gets to see when, what when. He says, most things hit California first, and then if they don't already hit New York at the same time, it's going to be shortly thereafter within a few months. The rest of the, what's called flyover country, not, not necessarily Texas, but I mean, you're in the middle of it. Um, they don't really get it. <laughs> They're on Shade Boston over here for us, and, and yeah. Hedera being based out of Dallas. Yeah, they, yeah, the rest of the country doesn't really get the, I would say more like uh, anything more, not Austin, I'm going to pull Austin out of there, but um, anything that's not tech-enabled, it doesn't really get it for another 18 months. And, and that seems to be the averagely accurate statement, um, that California gets it, New York gets yeah. it, and then the rest of the country gets it a year and a half later. Um, and with depending upon how it's techy the thing is, it could be even longer. So. Yeah, I, I think in terms of innovation, you're you're not wrong there. I think the caveat is being we're seeing a lot of specific states stand up great regulatory environments, um, specifically Wyoming. I think Denver has done a fantastic job, and Colorado in general. I think you see things like Texas actually just announced a charter where, where Texas chartered banks have to accept crypto businesses and Bitcoin now. Um, wow. So I think that there are kind of pockets of at least regulatory innovation or places that are seeing opportunities to kind of nurture this new newfound industry. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see similar things coming out of Miami, making it kind of a crypto haven. Uh, just based off of Suarez and, and the hype there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that totally makes a lot of sense. I do only have, a, you know, about 10 more minutes that I'm able to hang out on the podcast. Um, would love to answer any questions or, you know, talk about Calyxy at all. Um, we did recently announce, you know, uh, our initial group of four advisors, which I was really excited about. Um, among them was Rohan, the CEO and founder of Dapper Labs. Uh, the company behind CryptoKitties and NBA Top Shot. Uh, we had Raul, a friend of mine and member of the Hedera community that's working at Blue Sky, one of maybe 10 or 15 researchers in the world working on Blue Sky. 
Uh, Chad Richmond is the senior legal counsel at the Center Consortium, uh, the project that Coinbase started to actually launch USDC, US dollar coin. Um, and Adrian Lai is the CEO of APAC-based Liquify, a securitizations portal. Um, so I thought that that was some pretty pretty exciting news. But yeah, ha happy to uh, be on again. Happy to be on the podcast, and it's great to to chat with all of you and put some voices to to names. I appreciate, I appreciate you being here. here. Appreciate you being, yeah. here. being here. Anyone else, Anyone else have, have any, any last, last questions, questions before we wrap, before this, up? wrap this up? Nope. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Love it, love it. All right, All right. Good. Good. Max, right. Jake, Jake, Mike, thank you for being on the podcast. Podcast. With that's it. With that's it. Jack Saxon, Huddle.